Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Politics in the Pulpit, a lectionary-based preaching resource designed to ask the provocative question of whether, and if so, how, politics should appear in our preaching this week. My name is Jenny Mills, and I'm the Secretary for Education and Learning in the United Reformed Church, and I'm loving being the host of these podcasts and meeting such amazing people who are sharing with me their thinking around the issues in the world and the texts that we encounter through the lectionary. Each week I'm joined by a guest from a different place and space on the pulpit and political landscape. Today I'm very pleased to introduce Cameron Hume. Cameron is resource writing and editing officer at uh, For All We Can. All We Can is an international development and relief organization working to see every person's potential fulfilled. It's focused on serving the world's most marginalized com communities and is rooted in the Christian faith. All We Can helps find solutions to poverty by engaging with local people and organizations in some of the world's poorest communities to end the suffering caused by inequality and injustice through partnership and advocacy. Cameron is also a Methodist local preacher. He is a former JPIT intern where he spent half of his time working in the House of Lords and Cameron lives in Newcastle, of which he's very proud. So it's with great delight that I welcome Cameron to be with us this morning. Hello. Hi, Cameron. Hello, Lovely to see you. Well, welcome from welcome from Newcastle. So thanks for joining us today. So politics in the pulpit. I wonder what that means from you. I can see from your bio that you would clearly see the links between politics and faith and believe in reaching those who are marginalized. But tell us a little bit about yourself and how you see those two things connect. Yeah, I think for me, they've, they've always been connected. Um, I'm quite lucky. Both my parents are, are Methodist ministers and uh, throughout my childhood, whenever I saw them preach uh, and talk, um, they they were the kind of preachers who would link faith and politics and faith and justice. So I think I took it as a given, um, I guess, <laughs> um, which was great. But then I'd say when I got to university, maybe, and came across other Christians who maybe weren't so passionate about justice and didn't take it as a given that uh, the Bible calls us to, to interact with the political sphere and to, to reach out to the most marginalised and really care uh, about those who have been forgotten about. Um, and I think that reinforced that for me. It didn't challenge uh, my assumptions, but actually made them stronger uh, mm -hmm. in kind of opposition to, uh, to other worldviews that I came across uh, and made me more passionate about it. And that, that kind of led me uh, onto the JP internship, um, which only further reinforced that and, and meeting uh, so many other Christians who were, who were passionate about similar things and really working it out in practice uh, in yeah. effective ways um, really helped me to, to solidify my ideas and, and my practice as well, I'd say, yeah. Excellent, thank you. And now you work with uh, All You Can. Um, what do you see as the most pressing justice issues? Uh, and um, share with us what you'd like to hear, particularly as we come into uh, Refugee Week. Yeah, so we've been working at All We Can for a few months now, um, and I guess that's giving a more global lens to my preaching. Um, I think uh, before I had a very kind of UK-centred approach to when I was preaching about politics. I think it's very easy to get drawn into the, the daily churn of, of political news. Um, I think even though I'm not quite as obsessed politically as I was a few years ago, 
um, it's so easy to to only have a UK centred approach to to thinking about politics. So I think that's one thing that's that's changing already. Um, I think all we can we're, we're very passionate about decolonized development and anti-racist development. Uh, and so the way we the way we approach um, our work uh, with our partners in in some of the poorest communities, uh, the way we do that we think has to be part of the solution. Uh, and that intersects with other conversations around anti-racism and, and decolonization. Um, so we put communities in the driving seat. We don't come in presuming that we have all the answers, uh, trying right. to impose a, a Western uh, frame on things. Uh, we think that local communities are in the best place to analyze their own situation. They're the experts uh, in their position. So our job is to come in uh, and not giving answers, but asking the right questions and coming alongside them. Uh, as partners, as equal partners, uh, rather than imposing something. Right. Um, and we think that that uh, is the best way to do development in a way that isn't uh, reinforcing these kind of uh, historical power dynamics that, um, that have affected development in the past and, and sadly still goes on in, in many other aspects of, of development. But we're particularly looking this week at Refugee Week. Um, so this Sunday is Refugee Week Sunday. And we've produced uh, a raft of resources for churches, um, which includes a, a service outline and a sermon outline, uh, which I've put together, which links these lectionary passages this Excellent. week with issues of refugees, which is why uh, I'm here, I think. <laughs> Excellent. That is absolutely perfect timing. And can you let us know uh, how people can access that? Yeah. So just on the All We Can website, I think uh, it'll be the first banner that comes up uh, when you go on the website. Uh, that will take you to those resources that you can download and print out fairly easily. Lovely. Thank you ever so much. Well, each week I ask my JPIC colleagues for a little roundup of their expertise and what they think we should be keeping an eye on. And as you say, it's Refugee Week uh, 2022. Uh, people can go to all, all you can and also JPIT are sharing uh, resources. Uh, there is a, a website, refugeeweek.org.uk. The theme of this week's refugee, uh, this year's refugee week, is healing. Uh, and this comes um, in the in the wake of the proposal for electronic tagging of refugees who are told that they uh, would, they may be deported to Rwanda, um, and uh, comes in the light of an increasing support for refugees, um, which has uh, been raised by the issues both in Ukraine and other parts of the world. We also have the rail strikes going on this week, highlighting cost of living, workers' rights and the long-term effects of COVID on communities, but also the necessity for negotiation and con conversation. We have the Northern Ireland deal, the ongoing deadlock around the Northern Ireland protocol, raising hostility in Ireland, UK and the EU. Uh, and we have the by-elections in Wakefield and Tiverton and Honiton, Triggered by, triggered by the resign of incumbent Conservative MPs, uh, one for uh, watching uh, porn in the House of Commons and the other for sexual assault. I'd also add that in the church season, we're in the second Sunday after Trinity, or we're in ordinary time, uh, but at, through Trinity, we are reminded of God in community and relationship. And this week on the 24th, uh, we have the commemoration of the birth of John the Baptist. So at a time when the Church of England is under particular fire, as are other faith leaders for getting involved in politics, which does make me chuckle slightly, we have our newspapers in one hand and our Bibles in the other. And Cameron, 
over to you. I wonder where you would like us to begin on the lectionary readings, and I look forward to you leading us through the texts. So, over to you. Sure. Uh, well, in our Refugee Week resources from All We Can, uh, we're focusing on the, the Luke 9 passage uh, and also Psalm 16, which is the alternate psalm that's suggested. There's usually two psalms, and that's the second one. Um, so I guess I can start with them, uh, but I can certainly bring in uh, the other lectionary passages to talk uh, not just about refugees, but also their wider uh, implications for, for justice and politics. Um, so with the Luke 9 passage, I think what immediately struck me um, so this is where Jesus says, uh, foxes, has, foxes have holes, birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place uh, to lay his head. Um, that when we think about refugees, I think the passage we immediately go to is Jesus being a refugee in the nativity story. And that's kind of our, our go-to passage for whenever we talk about how Christianity intersects with uh, how we think about refugees. And I think this offers a really good reminder that Jesus wasn't just a refugee as a child, but he was also homeless as a man, he was totally reliant on the, the kindness of strangers and the support of his friends uh, to keep him going. And when he was visiting different villages, he needed people to take him in. Uh, and because of that, he's not uh, unsympathetic with the uh, kind of rejection and hostility that, that many refugees today face. And as we see in this passage, he goes to um, a, it's a Samaritan village, isn't it? Uh, yes. And he's rejected. Yeah. Um, because his face was sent towards Jerusalem. Um, and just that kind of, uh, particularly with what we're seeing uh, in the last few weeks around the flights to Rwanda and stuff, that that hostility and immediate distrust is something that, that Jesus faced as well, uh, which makes this an easy passage. It's just very, very um, apt that this is electionary on the same week as, as Refugee Week. Uh, it makes it a very easy in uh, to talking about hostility uh, and distrust. Yeah. And and the and this the sense of the sense of the other in our lives, and I think you I, I really appreciated your your comment about um, focusing on sort of UK politics, and actually you know there is there's so much more in the world, but the sense of the other is huge at the moment, and quite a lot of negative rhetoric around um, kind of demonising the other, isn't there? Yeah, absolutely, and that's kind of borne out in, in the polling, which is sometimes the thing that I find most depressing. I think when you hear politicians talking about um, the other and kind of um, this kind of stigmatising, uh, you can think that that's just confined to Westminster, but then sometimes you look at the polls and it's like, wow, like the percentage of people who are, who are on board um, with this is really mm. uh, disappointing mm. and distressing, certainly. Um, and yet Jesus, get in, in, sorry, yeah, go on. Uh, I was just going to move on to the, the other thing that we're talking about from this Luke 9 passage uh, in our resources is how um, Jesus calls us for the long haul uh, in, in our justice work and our political work. Um, so different people come up to him and say, I want to follow you. Uh, and each time he offers them a challenge, which is effectively saying, like, are you really in this, though? Uh, are you really committed? Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's sometimes something we need to ask ourselves. Um, we can easily set up an initiative and then not be in it for the long haul and let that initial enthusiasm wane quite quickly. And I think Jesus offers us that challenge that if we're going to serve people, if we're going to start up new initiatives, we need to be properly committed uh, and in it for the long haul, um, mm. which is something that, as all we can, we're very committed to in our work with refugees um, overseas. Uh, so we commit to very long-term partnerships up to, to 15 years uh, rather right. than 
coming in, uh, dropping off some supplies and then immediately withdrawing. Uh, we know that to create sustainable change and to, to really make a difference in people's lives, that has to be a long-term journeying in order to make that sustainable. Yeah, thank you for that. And and I think um, what I was going to say was this whole idea of um, uh, Jesus' non-violent protest, a non-violent response to things, when he, he turns and he rebukes the disciples, doesn't he? How did you hear that 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 particular bit in um in uh, verse fifty five? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's something that's maybe hard for us to hear when, because sometimes I feel like the disciples, and I'm the one who wants to send down fire on my enemies <laughs> or uh, the people who are, um, in my view, committing atrocities and um, enacting policies that are absolutely horrible. I want to be that person who's like, oh, just strike them down, God, come on. <laughs> um, but it's maybe a gentle reminder that um, to not become worse uh, than the people that we disagree with, um, that, you know, it would be a not an appropriate response that the Samaritans are rejecting Jesus to then strike them down with fire. It's not very proportionate. Um, mm. So I think that's something we need to hear in, in our politics, um, thinking about how we, we disagree well, um, and yeah. that's not something we resort to um, kind of in our disagreement. Uh, trying to I think sometimes it. when you look at the world of politics, it is so it is kind of draining, isn't it? It is quite depressing at times. And and you do you do kind of want to uh, you do kind of want to, to, to hit out or to be to, to stoop to the same level sometimes. And it is that sense of of, of how you keep that uh, perspective. Uh, and, you know, Jesus was refused. He was refused hospitality, he was rejected, and yet he, he responded with grace. Uh, yeah. And, uh, and that's, yeah, that, that's one that, um, he doesn't judge them, does he? He, he, he moves on, he, he continues on, and uh, kind of with his eyes to, to something better. He knows that even though it's going to be hard, what, what comes next, but actually there is something better ahead. Yeah, I think something that I've maybe shifted my perspective on is um kind of anger in politics yeah. i think we can very easily jump towards jesus flipping over tables which of course he did and anger and righteous anger is absolutely something that um we can hold on to at times but i mean it's maybe also apt that we've got the the fruits of the spirit passage from galatians 5 as the lecture this week as well and mm. anger is not a fruit of the spirit it's something we occasionally need but gentleness is a fruit of the spirit um yeah. and i think it's yeah I would sometimes want angry Jesus as my default Jesus, but anger isn't the default and anger isn't the end goal. Um, gentleness is the fruit of the spirit. And that's something that really challenges me um, when I, I want to just be angry and just shouting from the sidelines. Um, but how can I actually be enacting gentleness in the way I go about um, justice and politics is is really hard <laughs> yeah 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 absolutely and uh, and this um the the three the three uh, examples of kind of how hard discipleship is are, are quite fascinating and kind of of their time really aren't they uh, as so much that jesus does he kind of goes to an extreme to make his point um but they but they are words that they are words that everybody you know People would have ploughed in a way that we don't plough, but that idea of keeping your furrow straight, uh, rather than you know, if you take your eyes off the off off, off the direction you're going, uh, that's when you become distracted. Yeah, absolutely. 
I think the other thing that that kind of speaks to at the end of that Luke 9 passage is our capability of putting things off as well. Um, that kind of all of them say, oh, we'll follow you, but first let me do this. I'll follow you, but first let me do this. Um, and I think that can be said for how, as a church, we sometimes go about our justice work. I was listening to um, our district evangelism enabler the other week, because I think it works for evangelism as well, saying that the ideal size for a church plant, according to churches, is always a little bit bigger than we are now. Or that kind of, yeah, we'll be in a position to church plant when we're just a little bit of, uh, bigger than we are now. And I think that's maybe sometimes the case for um, setting up um, justice initiatives and starting political advocacy as a church as well. It's often, oh, we want to be able to do that, but we're not quite ready yet. We don't quite have enough people, or quite have enough capacity to be able to do something effective. Um, but we're always going to be able to put those things off. And I think that's yeah. another challenge that Jesus gives here is that, you know, if you're ideologically committed to doing it, then crack on with it. Um, always be able to put it off. Yes, no, that's that's a really helpful exhortation. Uh, is there anything else you want to to uh, offer us uh, through this Luke passage or do you want to move on to the psalm? Uh, yeah, I think I'm happy to move on. That sounds good. So, uh, I mean, Psalm 16, uh, which is also one of the lectionary ones this week, starts with uh, preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge, um, which is also very apt for this week. Um, but also just a reminder that um, as well as Jesus being in solidarity with displaced people and with refugees, uh, the whole Israelite community uh, was very well acquainted with displacement uh, and seeking refuge. Uh, but that's intrinsic to who the Israelites were. Um, after coming out of Egypt and wandering and then the Babylonian exile, uh, that displacement is key to who the Israelites are uh, and to their identity. And so through reading these Psalms, uh, we can read them with our mindset, maybe having not experienced displacement. Uh, but when you see them in that original context, you see those themes just um, kind of flying out. Um, and there was another part uh, later on in the psalm that I was going to bring people's attention to, uh, which I can't remember now. <laughs> Something about borders is in there. Uh, I think it, oh, it says, oh, thank you that the borders have landed for me in uh, in great places. I forget the original wording. And I can't yeah. find it. Uh, six, a verse six, I think. The, it's this, the, the version I've got is the boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. There we go. Um, and that kind of humility that when we are in a position of not having to seek refuge, uh, thanking God for the boundary lines falling for us in pleasant places, that that's not something we cling on to uh, and try to, to prevent other people from gaining. It's something kind of we hold lightly and in humility, knowing that uh, that could happen to us, that it can happen to anyone, and that naturally coming from that should be uh, the desire to um, extend hospitality to others uh, and to welcome others into having pleasant brown boundary lines, not trying to deny that uh, to other people. And so I think there's a certain humility uh, that comes out of that psalm uh, for those of us who aren't in positions of displacement um, that's good to be reminded of. I was I was looking uh, last week about um, uh, in, in, um, in, in worship about being named and being named is so important, being named and known, but actually place, knowing where you come from, knowing uh, what matters in your in your so kind of ge geography of your life, 
is so important, isn't it? And and I hear that that sense of we often take so much for granted because we haven't experienced that that fragility of uh, of belonging. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the the Ukraine crisis is maybe something that reminds us of that particularly that um, that it really could happen to anyone. Um, I mean, I think we need to be mindful of not slipping into um, slightly racist language there because if we say that about Ukraine, but don't say that about uh, Yemen and uh, all these yeah. other places where people are fleeing, then we can uh, be slightly hypocritical. But yeah. I think it is a reminder of a, a, a country with a slightly higher GDP uh, that seemed very stable, um, then falling into a place where there is lots of displacement and lots of refugees that, um, yeah, it really could happen to anyone. And therefore, mm. why would we not want to welcome uh, and provide hospitality to those it is happening to? Um, because it's not through any virtue of our own that it's not us um, that's in that position. Um, and when I was hearing about some of the uh, visa applications, people were supposed to bring kind of um, deeds of their homes and stuff with them. And, and this idea that, that living in a vulnerable place, you have a bag with your key documents in that you could flee with. You know, that it's, it's absolutely heartbreaking stuff that we just kind of unless we hear those things we would never imagine that that vulnerability would we yeah absolutely and that kind of the burden of proof being on the people um seeking refuge to prove that they're in need is is also maybe mm. problematic as well isn't it mm, um, absolutely yeah. i mean you mentioned earlier that um kind of the bishops who are under fire at the moment for speaking out against the, the rwanda plan and something i was thinking about this morning just before we started was how um, issues around refugees are something we can be even bolder as Christians about talking about. And I think that's being borne out in the way that the archbishops have spoken out against the, the Rwanda deportations, that on many issues, you maybe have to be quite um, cautious about being explicit in what um, policies you would rather not have enacted or would rather have enacted. But I think because God's partiality towards refugees is a thread that's um, so intrinsically woven throughout scripture both throughout the whole israel community jesus being a refugee jesus being reliant on the kindness of strangers throughout his ministry that it's so easy to be more emboldened and be explicit about that i think there's lots of political issues where you've got to be like well i'm 80 percent sure this is what the bible would call me to do but i think around refugees and having kind of a an unrestricted welcome I think that's something that jumps out from the Bible so clearly that even uh, the archbishops feel emboldened to be quite specific um, about what they disagree with the government on, um, which is maybe something worth reflecting on as a church, that this is an issue that we can be um, more explicit about. Yeah, it's really helpful. Yeah. And and so timely, as you say, with, with so much going on in relation to refugees with the, with the Refugee Week, it's an it's a, it's a perfect time for us to be able to speak out and to be heard, isn't it? And that whole uh, Galatians 5, that, that, you know, you shall love your neighbour as yourself. You know, that is, that is, there are so many examples, aren't there, in the Bible of, of, of the clear message of, of love for neighbour, love for other, um, which, which uh, I saw something the other day um, on Twitter, actually, that said, um, you know, if I agree with some of the policies that the government are doing, should I not be a Christian? And and it's that it is that it is it's quite a wrestle, I imagine. Um, you know, if you are struggling with uh, with appreciating some of the policies, to come back and, and and find the grounding of your faith 
which is love, isn't it? It's just the essence of it. Yeah, absolutely. I think I saw someone tweet the other day that that classic phrase that um, God comforts the disturbed and disturbs the comfortable. Yeah. That even, you know, if you find yourself um, in these kind of positions of, of wrestling with what you believe and how your politics intersects, that like yeah. that welcome to people in our churches is open to everyone. But welcoming people in our churches isn't saying you're not going to be disturbed. You're not going to be made uncomfortable. Um, that, yeah, we have to be made uncomfortable in church sometimes. And that's something that conservative MPs have to uh, um, respect and accept um, as much as they'd rather it not be so sometimes. And, and I think sometimes people in churches, we, we also struggle, don't we? Because we do become relatively comfortable and we do... We do um, we do focus on 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 the immediate our churches and and particularly at a time of decline of, of established um, religion. You know there, there there is this focus on on keeping everything going, whereas this call to to go beyond that those walls and to to go beyond um, ourselves is is huge, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Absolutely, and yeah, if we try and please everyone, then we'll please no one. Um, and if we try and please everyone, then we'll never say anything particularly distinct or particularly profound or particularly prophetic um, that sometimes uh, that message is going to uh, upset some people. And I think that's what the prophets in the Old Testament teach us time and time again, isn't it? The people who are on the margins, who are speaking out against injustice are almost always uh, shot down by those in authority. Um, yeah. But that's their that's their task. That's what they're called to do. Yeah. Uh, it's an uncomfortable place, isn't it? yeah absolutely okay so where do you want to take us next um happy to talk about the, the galatians 5 a bit more as well um okay lovely just in terms of those fruits of the spirit i think we often think of those as quite individual virtues i think that's always been my instinct um but as with so many things in the bible as soon as you realize that they're also um a communal um thing they're about um us as a community church community as well as us as individuals, you can read them slightly differently. Yeah. Um, so I think reading the fruits of the spirit through a political lens, thinking, um, how is this law, how is this policy helping to promote gentleness, kindness, uh, self-control, uh, and all the rest of them, that that's maybe quite a good litmus test uh, for public policy is how, how is this policy helping to promote the fruit of the spirit? Um, and thinking of those as communal virtues, not just as as individual ones, um, is maybe a helpful helpful test for our politics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that sense that um, that that if when when we live God's way, those things will will be become a part of who we are, rather than us having to strive to to, to do those things. Um, but but when we when we are when we when we connect with God, when we live we live the way that God wills humanity to live those things result don't they um and, and and when we choose to to separate ourselves from love and separate ourselves from god then that's when the other the other the other stuff creeps in isn't it yeah and i think i've heard someone say <laughs> i can't necessarily even know uh, the original greek for this but that it's it's those things together are the fruit that together they form the singular fruit rather than being lots of individual fruits of the spirit. So as you're saying how they kind of naturally spring out, they are, they're a package deal. Uh, right. They're not kind of, you focus particularly on kindness and then the next week you focus on gentleness. 
it's that when you've uh, uh, when you love God and you love your neighbor, those things kind of naturally spring out as a as a whole package uh, yeah. rather than as a, a kind of disjointed individuals. Yeah, um, and, and I, I love that because it's that idea that 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 um, as you say, you you could be faithful, but actually, if you don't live with joy or or yeah, I I, I like that idea of this this holistic the holistic sense of it all. Mm-hmm. I think the other thing that struck me from the Galatians passage is is this idea of freedom, yeah. uh, whether it's a, an end in itself or something that um, is a tool for, for service. So obviously at the start of the passage, it's for freedom Christ has set us free, um, which I think could easily be used to say that freedom is, is the end goal, that um, freedom is the ultimate thing uh, that we seek. Um, but then in verse 13, um, for you were called to freedom, um, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. And yeah. This idea that the freedom that we gain through Christ um, is something that we use to serve others, not something that we cling on to for its own sake. Um, and I think kind of moving away from refugees for a second, but particularly with the um, the gun laws kind of debates in, in the US at the moment, um, that's something that speaks into that, that sometimes freedom is this thing that people lift up as, uh, the end goal that you can't take away my freedoms. I need to have the freedom to do this, to do that, to buy guns. Um, yeah. Freedom is the tool for serving others. Um, if the freedom you're clinging on to is preventing you from serving others, is preventing the flourishing of other people, then that's not what Christ gave us freedom for. Um, and it's easy to kind of um, have a bash at um, Republicans uh, in America, but you know, there's lots of um libertarian thought in the uk on different issues that maybe that would um speak into as well mm. um, that freedom mm. is a is a tool for service um not just an end in itself and and perhaps sometimes that freedom means let is i say is letting go of stuff um and and, and perhaps again it's that inconvenient inconveniencing ourselves for the good of others uh, that whole sense of comfortable uh, as well yeah, definitely. Um, can move on briefly to the the two kings passage. Have okay, thought lovely. Um, yeah. Quite much. I don't think the the justice and politics angle uh, leaps out from this one um, quite okay. as much. But I, uh, one reflection. Okay. Um, so this is kind of Elijah being um, taken up into heaven, uh, and Elisha being left behind to kind of take up the mantle. Um, and the thing that struck me was how. Um, we can sometimes idealize heroes of the faith or maybe heroes in our politics um, to the extent that we don't think we can replicate what they've done. Um, I think Elisha could have easily looked at Elijah and been like, he's this once in a generation prophet, um, the likes of which we'll never see again. Um, but immediately after Elijah is taken up into heaven, uh, Elisha takes uh, the cloak uh, and hits the water and the, the waters part. So as soon as Elijah's gone, uh, the work that he's done uh, continues and, and can be replicated. Um, I think for me, sometimes looking at the people that I really respect in uh, in Christianity and in doing kind of politics and faith really well, I can easily think, oh, I can't do I can't do what they do, um, yeah. or they're they're one of a kind. Um, but I think what the Bible shows us is that whoever it is, what they've done can be replicated. Um, when uh, when God bestows His Spirit on us, He gives us that ability um, 
that we can all do great things through his power. And we we all we all have something to offer. Um, and, and and for me, the the whole fact that Eli that Elisha uh, that Elisha could do that uh, at a time of loss, at a time of sadness, mm. you know, was still able to step up, and that sense that God is with us even when we struggle to see or to experience or feel that that sometimes it feels when you look at the world, you know, where is God? But actually. This this can this reminds us that God is there even in loss or turbulence and change, um, and, and as as they journey, God is God is there. And, and even when Elisha thinks all is finished because he wasn't going to leave, as I won't leave you, I won't leave you. Oh, actually, you've gone anyway. So this sense, but that God is still there and upholds him. Yeah, and we can still make progress on on issues, on things at times when it's, we don't necessarily expect it. Um, yeah, it's really helpful that we, it can be easy to be despondent about uh, the state things are in. Maybe we've tried many times to change something and we're, and we're not getting anywhere. But um, even in times of grief and of sorrow, and that's often where where God can work the strongest. Yeah. Yeah. And and uh, I, I think with your idea of, you know, you've seen these amazing people do amazing things and we could look back and we could say, oh, gosh, it's, you know, the past was better and actually, you know, what we've got at the moment and, and, and the sense that we, we need the past because we can learn from it. But equally, it's that constantly just keep moving forward, keep putting one foot in front of the other, keep doing the stuff, uh, even if it feels a bit hopeless. Uh, you know, the, don't don't stop. It's important, but don't dwell on it. And I think I think we've got that in we've got that in all of the readings, really, this sense of just keep moving forward and keep trusting that 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 God is with us. Yeah, absolutely. Stick it out. Keep going. That's a good, uh, good summary of a few of them, maybe. Excellent. And is there anything else you'd like to offer us on on these texts before we uh, before we conclude this this podcast this week? I think that's a fairly good place to to round it off. Yeah. Thank you. And just remind us again, it's all we can, isn't it? That gives it that we'll we'll be able to find the resources. Yes, all we can. I'll just get the exact web link up so I can uh, tell people exactly where it is. So allwecan.org.uk forward slash church resources for refugee week 2022 slash. Thank you so much. And thank you so much for coming and sharing your wisdom and your reflections with us. And I've, I've really enjoyed our, our conversation and uh, and. We'll be seeking those resources. Um, I'm not actually preaching this Sunday, but I think it's really helpful to have those reflections on those texts. Uh, and connecting the, our faith and the work of politics. If you have enjoyed this episode of Politics in the Pulpit, please leave us a review wherever you listen to your podcasts and share this episode with your friends. We know that our listeners are a passionate and knowledgeable crowd and so we would love you to join in the conversation on Twitter, which is at pulpit underscore politics or using the hashtag politics in the pulpit or on the Facebook community, which you can access through the Joint Public Issues Team Facebook page and their web website. Uh, there were no questions um, offered to us this week, but there was an observation on last week. Uh, that the podcast was thought-provoking and that the language of deportation needs to be changed to reflect what the person posting sees as a policy of state-sponsored trafficking. So instead of the word deportation, we should be using the word trafficking. 
We do appreciate interaction and response and the encouragement to those who come on to this uh, podcast to share their thinking. As ever, we'd like to hear from you. Uh, and so I pose as most weeks a question, where have you seen God in your life or in the life of others around you this week? This idea of the evidence of the spirit at work in the world, where have you seen God in your life or the life of others? So we go forward into the week, uh, both in politics and in our faith life with a blessing. So may I let us end with these words. May we be anointed with God's spirit as we bring good news to the poor, proclaim release to the captives, help people to see the world truthfully and let the oppressed go free. Amen. And thank you, Cameron, for sharing with us today and all the best for the rest of the week. Take care. God bless. Bye bye.